0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, thank you. Good morning. It's good to have all of you here today. If you're a guest, we welcome you. If you're regular, and glad to see you here. This is our third week on free indeed. And so uh, my prayer today for you is you won't leave here like you can. Bound, depressed, tormented, sick, or lame, Okay. And so we're going to get the Word in us today and let God go ahead and work in us. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real high. I encourage you to get a Bible. We'll begin in Ephesians 4, then we'll go to Deuteronomy 4 and Deuteronomy 5, just to lay a little bit of a foundation. And so go with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. And in saying that, our main text has been John 8, verse 36, where the sun sets free, is free indeed. Again, some of the... The definitions of the description of the devil is Lucifer, Satan, uh, the tempter, the accuser of the brethren. A good one of him, he's the liar. He's the father of lies. And so you begin to get a sense of, of who the devil really is. But understand this, the devil's goal for every one of us in here is to steal from us, to destroy us, to rip us off in any area that he can. And there's times in our life, sometimes we're not even aware of how the devil's ripped us off. And so I believe the scriptures will give you a little insight today of that. So we begin in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore put away line. Let each one, each one of you speak this truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, if I was to read this passage starting in verse 25 to 32, the Apostle Paul is going to list at least seven major conducts in here as believers. The first one that he deals with is, is being a liar. I'm not going to hit all of these, but for your own time, you can read in there. And ultimately, it's going to highlight verse 27. So we read verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And so uh, one translation says, don't sin by letting your anger control you. So he deals with lying, he deals with uh, anger, he deals with being a thief, he deals with the words out of our mouths. Now, why are these so important? Okay, verse 27. Nor give place to the devil, nor give opportunity to the devil. The Amplified says, leave no such room or foothold for the devil. So what he's telling me and you here is there are areas of my life That I can give the devil opportunity or legal grounds into my life. Some of those are in this passage right here. But just just briefly here, I want to highlight some of them. How we open the door up to the devil in our everyday lives. If if you're involved in witchcraft in any area, you're opening the door to the devil. And what I mean by witchcraft is horoscopes, talent cards... Uh, anything like that 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 looks to the devil or witchcraft over and above God. I'm telling you, witchcraft is not a god. I've known people that place more stock in a fortune cookie than they do the word of God. I've known people who've hung on. I like fortune cookies. But those things are just entertaining to me. And, and I've had people pull them out and said, you know what, I've carried this in there in my pocket for a year. That God's going to bless me with this guy. He's handsome, he's daring, and he's exciting. This is the truth right here. There was one that said to me, he said, i got a thing in my pocket that says my wife is going to be a brick house. And I thought, bless you, dude. If you're trusting on that thing, you're going to get a broken house is what you're going to get. And so again, I don't put my trust in those things. How about this? Many times we look at things on TV or movies and we act like those are harmless. Many shows that if I get over and I continually to give myself to to sexual immorality even through TV, what you see and what you eat is what you're going to become. Don't think those things are innocent. Even horror movies. Listen real close to what I'm telling you right now. Don't let your children watch horror movies. You want to put the fear of them in it? Just keep watching those things. Many of you remember the, the seer, uh, seer, seer, Kelly Castleman was in our church two months ago. You know what he said about horror movies? That at the age of 18, he was sitting at a drive-in theater watching a horror movie, and he said as the movie began he began to see demons come out of the the screen, and he said they were on hoods of cars. So again, we give the devil opportunity through areas like that in our life, and we act like they're harmless or innocent. Now, two or three other areas that we just open the door wide open to him is through the areas of, of drugs and alcohol. You get over in drugs and alcohol, you've You've impaired yourself in one way or another, and he'll take advantage of you. Also, again, sexual immorality. So we begin to see right here through this passage different areas that we can give the, the devil opportunity. If it's harmless and innocent, then why in John 10.10 10 did the Lord Jesus say the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy? 1 Peter 5.8 says, Your adversary, your opponent... The devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So again, you can act like those things are harmless or innocent, but they're not, okay? Be very careful. How about this little song? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. It's true. There's so much that we allow into our lives by our eyes. Now, go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4. And Deuteronomy chapter 5 is where we're headed. I'm just going to tell you, this stuff today will liberate you. The scriptures will set you free today if you'll get a hold of some of this stuff. So we're going to weave our way through the Old Testament and back into the New Testament to give you some tools, but to also give you some truth today. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 36. Out of heaven or from heaven, he let you hear his voice that he may instruct you on earth. And he showed you his great fire, and you heard his word out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them, and he brought you out of Egypt with his presence and with his mighty power, driving out before you nations greater and mighty than you to bring you in, to give you their land as inheritance as it is this day. Therefore, know this day, and consider it in your heart, or take heart, That the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on earth and beneath. And there is no other God. No other God. So you know what he's telling us here? Take heart to this. Don't compromise that. Verse 39. Or verse 40. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments which I command you today. Why is it important that we keep his statutes and his commandments? That it may go well with you. That it may go well with you. Now, it doesn't take a a rocket scientist to figure this out. How many of us in here want it to go well with us? Every one of us do. He gives me an insight here and he says, Obey my word. Obey my word. Obey the scriptures. And this verse is very interesting because he said, That I command you today that it may go well with you. And with your children after you. And that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God has given you for all time. Now, two promises right there. That your life would be full of prosperity. And that you would live long on this earth. But there's a little nugget in there that I really want to point out here this morning. That it would go well with you. And your children. So the Lord right here through the scriptures is telling me. That I can seed my children as if I'm planting a seed within them. By my way that I obey God. And if I don't obey God. Then there's a disobedience that is seeded into my children. So literally the Lord is telling me because of my acts. My behaviors and my actions, I am planting seeds within my children. You may say, praise the Lord, or you may say, oh me. Now, in reading this, I'm going to take you now to chapter 5, and as we get into Deuteronomy chapter 5, he's talking here about the Ten Commandments, and he begins to list them, and he begins to list them. For time's sake, I'm going to jump just into verse 8, and I know I'm right in the middle of it. But verse 8 says, You shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. God is not into dividing your attention for somebody else. God wants all of us, our complete heart. And that's one of the covet names of God. God is a a jealous God. God is a a passionate God for us. Now, watch where we're headed here, and this is what we're really going to study today. Visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third the fourth generations of those who hate me. Now, the literal translation there for the word visiting says punishing. Punishing the iniquity. Now, to understand this, we've got to figure out what the word iniquity there means. The iniquity has to do with willful or habitual sin. Ongoing sin that has gone from generation to generation to generation. And because of this, there's a a direct influence that's been handed down to us. The the literal translation of this says, visits the sin of the fathers upon the children. So when we talk about this generational iniquity, oftentimes we can be into bondage to habitual sin, and yet we don't even know that that's what it is. Kind of like gravity. Gravity will begin to pull on you whether you're aware of it or not. And so, oftentimes in our lives, we walk in forms of bondage. And the word bondage means to be enslaved to something. We walk into bondage, even generational stuff that's handed down to us. Now, to to dig in just a little bit more on this word of iniquity, that he said the iniquity of the father would be handed down to the third and the fourth generation. So if I think about that in light of the Word of God, what he said here, it would be me, my father, my grandfather, and my great-grandfather. So the sins of these four generations are now not only accumulating, they're getting stronger from generation to generation. So if I go this way, now it becomes me, my son, my grandson, and my future great-grandson. So he's warning us there that something is handed down from the parents and the ancestors to the children. Now the word iniquity literally means to twist or to bend into a certain direction. So let me give you a couple illustrations here. I believe that will help you. When a tree is planted and the tree begins to grow, and let's just say it's really straight like this. So day after day, the winds begin to blow out of this direction. What's going to happen to that tree? It's going to naturally begin to bend in this direction. Just naturally. Over a course of time. See, oftentimes, that's what a generational iniquity will look. You'll begin to bend in a certain direction. You might not even be aware of it. Let me give you a little easier illustration. Used to... Right on top of this building was a steeple. Used to. And we've been in this building for over 12 years, and that steeple always leaned to a certain direction. But about five weeks ago, we started having storms that were predominantly coming out of the north and the west, and so that steeple started leaning back this way. And it kept leading, it kept leading. And ultimately, the final place was total destruction. So ultimately, even in the area of generational iniquities, I have the tendency to begin to lean in a certain direction from the third and the fourth sins of my fathers and my grandfathers. Now, to a degree, that's the negative sign of this. You want to see the positive sign? Look at verse 10. But showing mercy, kindness, and blessing to the thousands or to the thousands generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. Something begins to happen when we choose to not only love God, but to obey God. You know, Jesus said that in John 14, 15. He said, if you love me, obey my commandments. So again, when I get over into loving God and obeying His commandments, I hand down a generational blessing instead of a generational curse. And so the question is this. If I have generational iniquities, certain tendencies or behaviors in my life that I'm leaning toward, what can I do about them? Is there any way I can do anything about them? Yeah, let's watch what the scriptures will teach us. Go to your left there. Genesis, Exodus, and then Leviticus chapter 26. And the word becomes so clear right here to every one of us. And so again, parents, your behaviors, your actions are being handed down to your children. Okay? Watch this now in Leviticus chapter 26. Begin with me in verse 39. And those of you who are left shall waste away or rot away in their iniquity. Will rot away because of my iniquity. Now right here he begins to identify me and he says, you're going to rot away because of your iniquity. Your choice to sin. Now listen, here's the, here's the key. Just because of generational iniquity has been passed down to me. Doesn't mean I have to go in that direction. I have a choice in that. But so many of the times we don't understand the word of God. And he said there through the prophet Hosea. My people perish for lack of knowledge. So guess what? We're going to get some kingdom knowledge to that. Keep reading. They'll waste away in their iniquity. In your enemy's land. Also... In their father's iniquities, listen to this real close, which are with them, they shall waste away. So he identifies two iniquities there. He said, "My iniquity and my my father's or my ancestors' iniquities." And pay close attention. He said, "They're with you. They're with you. Well, where are they with you at? You carry them around in a backpack." No, they get embedded in my heart and they begin to dictate my actions. So what do we do? Watch this, verse 40. But if, those are two big words, but and if, that tells me there's some choices in here. But if they confess their iniquity, if I confess my iniquity, and the iniquity of their fathers with their unfaithfulness or their betrayal in which they were unfaithful to me, and they also have walked contrary to hostility to me, and that I also have walked contrary in hostility to them, and have brought them into the land of their enemies. If their uncircumcised hearts, their stubborn hearts, are humbled, they accept their guilt. So, you know what he just told me and you? If I'll go before Father God and I'll confess my iniquity and the iniquity of my father's, I accept my guilt and say, you know what, Father God, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of these actions and behaviors in my mouth. And he said, you'll humble yourself. To humble myself is to come before God in a minute. Now, when I used to read this, I would look at this and I would say, Why do I have to confess the sins of my ancestors? That's not fair. Well, two things about that. Number one, you probably wouldn't be complaining about it if it was a generational blessing. You'd probably say, "Whoa, I welcome that. I received that. Here's the key about confessing the sins of our past ancestors. Those sins and those iniquities have never been confessed or turned from. How does that play in with us? Well, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22, verse 30, the prophet Ezekiel said this, God looked for one that would stand in the gap. Just one, just one. But he couldn't find any. So to stand in the gap, God is looking for men and women that will be what I call gappers That will not only pray, but they will go before Father God and they will confess their iniquities and the iniquities of their fathers. They'll come in and they'll stand before God and they'll begin to confess them. It'll begin to roll out of them. Now, at the end of this here, or the start of verse 42 in this, he said, then I will remember my covenant. Remember what he said his covenant was? I want to bless you and I want to prolong your days. And so he just looks for one's. That will stand before him. And and I believe this with all my heart. For so long in our lives. We've looked at repentance as a negative. Repentance is a good thing. Thank God I can come before him. And confess and repent of these. And God said I'll wash you. And I'll cleanse you. So you may ask me. Have you ever done this? Oh I've done this numerous times. I'll come before God. And I'll begin to confess my sins. and, And sins of my ancestors. And I encourage you, get before God sometime and say, Father God, reveal to me things that need to be exposed. Things that need to be repented of. And you watch what He'll begin to do. He'll begin to change our hearts. So again, when I read this right here, I must identify what the sin is. That means I come before God And I acknowledge not only my sin, but I say what it is. I don't try to camouflage. God knows. And so let me give you an illustration in my own life to identify that. That that I go back into my early teenage years when alcohol began to take root in me. And so I stand before God and I say, Father God, I repent of alcohol in my life. I repent of giving myself over to that and I repent for the, the, the sins of my ancestors in that too. So again, the first thing I do is identify it. I call it what it is. Number two, I confess it. I don't try to act like I didn't do it. I don't try to blame other people. Again, part of repentance is you take responsibility for your actions. Father God, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. And I repent from generation to generation. And you know what he said? He'll forgive us. He'll forgive us. So the the first way that my bloodline becomes clean, because my bloodline is contaminated. And some of you may say, well, my bloodline's not contaminated. Oh, yeah, it is. Every one of us in this room, our bloodline was contaminated. you know how I know that? Because the only bloodline that wasn't contaminated was Jesus. He was without spot or blemish. And some of you say, my bloodline's not contaminated. Well, yeah, it is. You're full of pride. You're full of pride, okay? Yes, tell you preaching good, pastor. Way to go. I'm telling you, I've had bloodline contaminant. Every one of us in this room, okay? And so again, part of it is acknowledging it and then confessing it. Now I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2. And, and as you're turning to 2 Timothy 2, I'm going to head that way, but I'm going to stop in one more passage that i got to read you. This is this is Proverbs twenty eight verse thirteen. It says, "He who covers his sin will not prosper." How would I cover my sin? I never confess it. To not confess my sin, I got a problem with pride, so I put on humility. But he says specifically, "He who covers his sin will not prosper." But listen to this: Whoever confesses and forsakes his sin will have mercy. You want mercy? You begin to confess your sin and forsake it. Now, God would never want me to forsake it out of my own abilities because he knows that's not going to happen. So how do we forsake it? When I begin to confess my sins and I say, Father God, I welcome your grace here today. I welcome your grace that I don't commit this again. What happens if I commit it again? I get back up and I repent. That's why me and you got to become champion repenters. If you ever get around me, it'll flow out of me. I mean, it's like a Gatling gun. You'll hear me repent, repent, repent. It's the greatest daily vitamin I can take. Lord, I repent. I repent. And listen, I'm, I'm not talking about just standing before God and confessing my sin. I'm actually doing it with the sincerity that says, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I ask you to forgive me, but I ask you to grace me. And then you watch how sins become forsaken because of the grace and the mercy of God. Now, we're in 2 Timothy, chapter 2. So what happens when I confess my sin and forsake it? I begin to take away the devil's legal right in my life. Because we've opened the door up to things, he comes in, remember? Remember? So one of the ways I shut the door to him is, number one, I confess it, and number two, I forsake it. 2 Timothy 2, verse 25. In humility, you know, something happens with the robe of humility. Just put on the robe of humility. God gives grace to the humble. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. What are they in opposition to? To the truth, to the word of God. Let me read this to you out of the New Living. It says, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. So you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to gently, if that's possible, instruct us. We don't want to oppose the truth, okay? Remember, this book has the power within it to set us free in the name of Jesus. So he goes on to say, If God will perhaps grant them repentance, that's a change of heart. You know who won't repent? The hard-hearted won't repent. When When I repent, it's from a tender heart. It's the Lord, I don't want to displease you. And he says, so that they may know the truth. Well, you know what's important about the truth? You know the truth. The truth will set you free. So again, something happens when I repent from my heart. Now watch this in verse 26. And that they, the ones who are in opposition to the truth, may come to their senses. They may wake up and escape the snare or the trap of the devil. Now this tells me right here, the devil has a snare and a trap for every one of us. Do you know he's always putting snares and traps out? And he's trying to get us, and and he goes on to say in this verse, having been taken or held captive by him to do his will. And this is incredible to me. So what happens is when the devil captures us, he holds us captive or he holds us in bondage. And you know what it is? To do the devil's will. I'm just going to tell on myself a little bit. I used to do the devil's will. I'm not proud of that. All the things I used to do, he used to dominate, dominate, dominate. But you know what? When I asked Jesus to come in my heart, I changed address. I changed ownership. I became a child of God. And so right here, this is exactly when we begin to understand the truth of who we are in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you. It breaks the snare. It breaks the things the devil has fashioned against us. He's always plotting against us. Every one of us in this room. Now, go with me to Hebrews 9. You're real close. Go to your right. Hebrews chapter 9. And you begin to see things that go in and out of the scriptures. Repentance. Confess. Just to stand before God. Man, these things are healthy. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 20. Saying this the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. The blood confirms the covenant. The book of Leviticus says that only through the shedding of the blood there's forgiveness. There's always got to be blood that was shed. Verse 21. Then likewise, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. Now, if we were to go back and read in the Old Testament, they were always sacrificing the blood of animals. The blood of animals was, was only an appeasement. It could never fully satisfy. So they were continually having to bring blood of animals in. So you know what God said? I I, I want something besides the blood of an animal. I want something that would bring atonement or full deliverance, full victory. So you know what he said? I'm going to send my son whose blood was without spot and blemish. And when Jesus died, he only had to do it one time. And that blood has an eternal warranty upon it, okay? Watch verse 22. And according to the law, almost all things are purified or cleansed with the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Now, nothing was considered purified without the mark of shed blood. So again, what happens here is is from the shedding of Jesus' blood, there's forgiveness of sins. The only way you and me can get our sins forgiven is by the blood of Jesus. Okay, let me walk you through here something that I believe will help you. When I get born again, did I I see Jesus physically? Did Jesus come down here and shake my hand and say, I'm Jesus, welcome to the family, big boy? He didn't do that. So how do I receive Jesus? I receive Jesus by faith. I believe in my heart what the Bible says about him. And I confess with my mouth. When I begin to get under the blood of Jesus, it's the same way. I I receive the blood of Jesus by faith. And I say, Lord Jesus, I thank you. Your blood is cleansing me. It's very healthy to even say this out of your mouth. Lord, I I welcome your blood over my mind, my thoughts. I welcome your blood over my eyes, my tongue, my ears. I welcome your blood over my heart. Now, he makes an interesting comment here at the end of verse 22. He says, there is no remission of sin without the shedding of the blood. Let me tell you what this word remission means. Now listen, when I read this, Getting excited and shouting, hallelujah, thank is permitted in here, okay? The word remission itself means to send away. It signifies a release from bondage or imprisonment. Well, there's one week, amen. A dismissal, the quality of canceling out all judgment, punishment, obligation, obligation, Or debt. And you guys had incredible opportunities to shout right there. I I don't know if I was the only one that excited. But when I saw that the blood of Jesus cancels out all my debt. It breaks bondage. And it breaks the imprisonment of my life. And so what ultimately happens here. Is I kind of keep coming under the blood of Jesus. So when we go back and we look at all this. I acknowledge my sin. I identify it, I call it what it is, and I confess it before God. That may look different from every one of us in here. Number two, when I confess it, it's a sincerity that says, Father God, I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me, and I ask you to wash me. But here's a a key for us. I've got to keep coming under the blood of Jesus. How does that look? Well every one of us in here we have a physical body. And this time of year I don't just sweat. I sweat profusely. I wear a cologne called leave me alone cologne. I stink it and I'm telling you after these services that's why a lot of people I'll tell you don't touch me because I'm soaking wet. It's not because I'm filled with the glory of God, it's I'm soaking wet. So How many times a day do you bathe or you take a shower? In my life, most of the time, it's twice a day because I sweat so bad. So in saying that, why would I bathe? Why would I shower? Because this body gets dirty. It gets filthy. It gets stinky. And wouldn't it be nice if all you had to do was bathe one time and here it is. I got it. I'm clean. But it doesn't happen that way. And so day by day by day, I get up and I get in the shower, the same as many of you. Well, it's the same with the blood of Jesus. Each day, I just keep coming under the blood. I said, Lord Jesus, wash me. Cleanse me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Cleanse my eyes. Cleanse my ears. Cleanse my heart. And then be quick to repent. Be quick to repent. So what's happened here today? I, I believe you've been New Testament taught. Number one, that every one of us in this room have some form of of generational iniquity in our lives. All God said is for you to confess your iniquity and the iniquities of your father. And by acting on the scripture and doing that, you know what he said? I show mercy to the thousands. I bless you. There'll be something that will begin to happen in your bloodline that you just begin to believe God. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchloving.com.